0: Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities.
1: Hello, welcome to Parlor to Plate, a weekly podcast from EverEgg Insights dedicated to offering listeners enlightening discussion and actionable intelligence about dairy markets. I'm your host, Erica Medke. We are excited to have you along today. If you like what you hear, please like us, subscribe, and tell a friend or two. First things first, let's timestamp today's episode. We're a day later than we normally record. It's Thursday, July 20th at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time after USDA released their monthly milk production report. Uh, looking at the dairy markets today, a quick rundown. CME Block Cheddar today at 172 per pound, we have jumped 19 cents from last Thursday. Barrels also up 19 cents at a 159, weigh at a quarter of a penny from last week. Butter, $2.54, up a penny today, although we are off the year-to-date high from earlier this week of $2.56. Nonfat dry milk settled at 111 today, down a cent from last week. In the grains, nearby corn at 537 down 56 cents from last week. Soybeans, $14.95, down 23 cents. And soybean meal, up $10 per ton to $4.41. Today, we are lucky to have another all-star cast from the Everide team. We've got partners in crime supporting our producer risk management, as well as commercial efforts with Tiffany LaMondola and Katie Burgess. Tiffany in California and Katie in Wisconsin. Tiffany's going to speak from the producer side today and Katie from the commercial. And we're also pleased to have Mike North, one of the leaders on our team who helps producers and grain growers manage their risk from his home in southwestern Wisconsin. How are we today, team? Wonderful.
2: Fantastic.
1: Great. Well, let's start off with what's the buzz today. And so I'm going to ask you to hold some of the commentary about milk production until we get to the center of the plate. So Tiffany, let's start with you. What are producers thinking these
3: days? We are thinking about summer and um, heat that we're seeing in a lot of major milk producing regions. I, As you noted, I sit out here in California. We just went through our first heat wave after a lovely June. Um, Looks like triple digits are here. We've had pretty warm nights. Um, I suspect it's going to take a little bit of a toll on milk production as it normally does in the summer of California, but it has been a little on the toasty side as well as other parts of the Southwest and Midwest. And so we're hearing of milk production um, not being quite as burdensome as it was maybe a month ago. And so that's been good news uh, from a producer perspective in terms of the markets reacting.
1: Katie, what are folks in the commercial
0: space thinking about these days? Folks on the buy side are just watching with awe and surprise as we've seen the spot cheese market rocket higher here over the past couple of days. We've gone from the 130s not that long ago with blocks getting all the way back up to 172 per pound today. And a lot of it ties back into what Tiffany just talked about. Summer is here. It is hot outside in spots. With the spot milk tightening up, it's always important to remember this time of year that the cheese we trade in Chicago is only between four to 30 days old. And so if someone needs some product and there's not quite as much surplus coming at folks these days, it's enough to uh, see the fireworks that we have here over the last week or so. Along with that though, when we talk to folks out in the world, it still seems like there's a lot of cheese sitting in warehouses. So we'll get a new update from USDA on that next week that we'll all be watching carefully. And people are still concerned about demand. There is a little talk that our low prices of the past few weeks may have incentivized a little export demand, but US consumers are still dealing with inflation. There are still challenges in the global market. And so as we look ahead, you know, we've seen a lot we've seen some pretty low lows in the cheese market. Now we've bounced higher quickly. And so the big question is, will this volatility continue as we make our way into the holiday demand season? Thanks, Katie.
1: Mike, how about you? Katie had mentioned some fireworks. Can you speak to how that's impacting the gray markets?
2: Yeah, the uh, fireworks continue, if you will, in the Ukraine, and not to make light of a serious situation, plenty of uh, explosions taking place in the key port city of Odessa as key loadout facilities have been virtually destroyed, find it no coincidence that the Ukraine grain deal was due to be renewed on Monday, the 17th. That came and went without renewal. And as we've observed that process over the last few renewal cycles, It harkens back to my childhood of watching WWF wrestling waiting for that three count that just never came. We got a three count on that deal. It expired. It's gone. But you can see by their actions that same night in bombing those ports that that was a key military action and decision that was probably planned well in advance. And now we are left asking the question... How much will Ukraine be able to export this fall? Because this time of the year, there's very little grain left in the country to actually be shipped out of the country. So it doesn't impact us so much today, but it very well could come back to haunt us this fall as those normal flows that would come out of the field and find their ways to the port just aren't going to be able to leave because there's no way to send them by ship. So this becomes a, a real concern, and very quickly added some premium back into the corn market. Uh, much like the discussion around milk, things changed very quickly. Five dollar markets became five sixty markets, and here we are asking the question now: What will come more of this Ukraine story? And simultaneously, as we watch what fell out of the sky uh, in Ukraine, will there be water that falls out of the sky in the Midwest? Which is the other part. Of the story. And forecasts have remained dry. There's a little divergence in a few of the models that suggest maybe some starts to show up in that seven to 10 day window from today. So a little bit of hope starting to bud, but certainly as we come through a delayed pollination period due to the drought we had in June, this weather forecast is still very important. And watching hourly models and shifting trends is going to be. All the news here in the next couple of weeks. Thanks, Mike.
1: Let's shift to center of the plate now. Just to give everybody a heads up for where we are at, the milk production report came out this afternoon with a fairly bullish tone here. June milk production was flat year over year. Total cow numbers in the United States were down 16,000 head. And Texas, notably, was down 5% year over year. Katie, I know you've studied this more. Can you give us some, some in-depth analysis of the report and what this means for producers?
0: Yes, Erica. It seemed like today that we saw the number was, as you mentioned, flat. When you dig into the details, it was actually slightly lower than prior year levels. And we're expecting more of that to come here in the months ahead as well. Producers have been under stress. And so as we look forward, you know, Texas was down. It was the first time Texas milk production was down on a year-over-year basis since 2016. When I saw the negative 5% in Texas, I thought, that has to be a typo. But sure enough, that was the data this week. And so it, it squares with what we had been hearing out in the country that I would say the southwest part of the U.S. in particular has been struggling with weather this year, along with poor economics. And as we look ahead, our model suggests, like I said, negative for the next few months, it gets back to positive toward the end of the year based on year-over-year comparisons. But I guess I have a couple of questions for both Tiffany and Mike to think there's a lot of uncertainty between here and now. So I know, Tiffany, you've been talking to a lot of different dairy producers. What have you been hearing is the vibe out there at the dairies?
3: Yeah. So this week, our producers got their final June milk statement. And folks had a little heads up, obviously, in their advanced I would say these were quite startling across most parts of the U.S. I mean, certainly areas with a little bit of class four utilization in the mix helped keep those blend prices a bit higher. Uh, but for folks on just class three pricing basis, we saw and heard milk segments as low as a $10 in the front. I don't have to tell anybody that just does not cut it. And so folks are starting to get worried we have really high beef prices right now certainly that's giving folks a quicker off ramp i think that you know consolidation is on everybody's mind i think the big question is just timing around that certainly the june milk production report shows the southwest got a jump start on it now we're going to be watching for other regions to follow suit that was where the big declines were that was the where we've lost the most cows and so that's going to be on everybody's mind what slaughter rates are doing what this, the next six to 12 months looks like. Because as Katie de- uh, noted, demand is, is um, constrained. And so we need that milk supply to contract some to kind of give these markets back in balance. I'm going to kick it to Mike though, because a huge part of that obviously is what feed costs these folks are going to be facing in the new crop. And, and obviously it's been a very volatile summer. Mike, what, do you, what are you thinking about fourth quarter? Are we going to see any, any relief on the cost side of the equation?
2: Well, it divides between uh, corn-based feeds and protein-based feeds. And as we talk about the protein side, the acreage report at the end of June took 4 million acres away from soybeans. Now, there was an asterisk on that number, and we're waiting for the August report to come out to see if there's any revisions to that based on some yet-to-be-planted acres and so forth. Uh, But a shortfall of that amount takes considerable amount of ending stocks away from what the first forecasts were. And as we look at the road ahead, because of the demand for soybeans and crush, we're going to see some very small balance sheets there, which means that crushers are going to have to pay more to get their hands on beans, which means they may be forced to charge more for soybean meal, even in lieu of the fact that we expect for there to be an excess amount of soybean meal around because of this larger crush for the oil to be used in renewable diesel. That balance sheet's going to stay tight. We look for some you know, potential price inflation on the protein side above and beyond where uh, our thoughts were leading up to that acreage report. $50 came on top of that meal price very quickly on the backside of that. We would expect to carry that premium all the way forward till fall until we can decide what South America is going to plant and how that growing season looks. On the other side, corn, despite some of the questions around yield, still looks to carry a very big balance sheet because just as we've talked about with the dairy side and the concerns about demand there, we have ongoing concerns about the demand side for corn as well exports being probably the poster child of that discussion, a very inflated number in the current forecast that likely will have to be trimmed over time. But as we come into fall, the primary focal point will be yield. That'll impact the supply side of the balance sheet first. It'll take a while before the USDA is ready to come to terms with the smaller demand, which may shrink some of that inventory that's being forecasted and put some premium on corn going into the fall. So, you know, as we talk about feed costs, we don't think there's going to be this massive relief that I think we all hoped for here a few weeks ago, pre-acreage report. But over time, there is room for that to dampen. And so producers may have an opportunity to kind of hand-to-mouth it, if you will, as we go through winter, looking for some, some better cost structures to tie up with that milk price to uh, create some better margins.
1: So with that, Mike, and and I'm gonna kind of go around the table here. What are you doing to help growers this year? And, And what are you advising people to be looking for? And then is there anything that you're keeping in mind for 2024? So if we can start with like from a grain grower perspective and then Tiffany from a dairy producer perspective and then Katie commercials.
2: Well, I'll just kind of keep on with what I was talking about from the grain side of things. When the market broke in June, even amidst the drought, uh, we ultimately were taking advantage of that and trying to pile on some, some purchases. We just had another major break in corn that equally afforded us another look at that $5 price point. There's going to be continued volatility in this market as we wrestle with what yield is or isn't, and so very likely we'll get a you know another bite at the apple here at some lower prices. We're telling guys to continue to lock things in because let's face it, five dollar corn is far better than the numbers we saw last year when we were looking at six plus. We need to put things in perspective, and as this milk price rises against a still smaller corn price compared to last year, we we can start to really navigate some profitability again. The same would hold for the, the protein side of the equation. We've watched that price yo-yo back and forth of late as well, coming off of that 350, 360 zone out into the future, rising to 410, dropping back to 380. There's going to be movement like that. And so as you see breaks in markets continue to establish some coverage looking forward you may want to leave some open-ended basis opportunities on anything you're pricing and frankly it's not a bad place to be pricing call options either there's some good opportunities there to manage upward prices while still affording lower levels if everything pans out yields come through unscathed and we end up with bigger balance sheets so a good way to manage that right now the key in all of it is to remain flexible remain calm, grab the opportunities as they show up, and just take it one step at a time.
1: So keep your head in the game.
2: That's right. That's right.
1: Tiffany, how can dairy producers keep their head in the game these days? I mean, certainly getting a $10 milk check might get my head spinning.
3: Yeah, I'm going to say everything that Mike just said applies to milk as well. In particular, I would stress that dairy producers don't let today's stress, and it's stressful, inhibit them from thinking forward. We want to keep looking forward. And I'm also going to continue Mike's theme of volatility. I don't know that we're totally out of the woods here yet in our dairy markets. We've got a lot of headwinds. It's nice to see the milk production might be coming down, but we still have a lot of struggles on the demand side of the equation, as Katie noted. So we need to really watch these markets. We need to think forward and we need to take opportunities as they come We really like layering in coverage uh, on the days that afford folks to do so. So pay attention and yeah, keep your head in the game. Katie, that's the theme today. How do you help commercials keep their head in the game?
0: That is definitely the same. We're seeing a lot of volatility lately. And as people are thinking forward to 2024, there is a lot of uncertainty out there because we don't know what demand is going to look like. And especially if milk production contracts here in the next few months, when we think about what does the forecast look like for next year, there's definitely some upside price risk for buyers of products. I would say right now, for people that buy a variety of dairy products, focus on non-fat dry milk. That tends to be a leader when dairy prices move higher. So I think that's definitely a good spot to be looking at some 2024 hedges. For cheese and butter, it's a little tougher because there's so much carry built into the market. But like Mike said, options are a good place to start get some call options on just to protect yourself in case milk supplies do tighten and prices go higher next year. So we've got six months until 2024 gets here and a lot could happen between now and then.
1: Great commentary and way to wrap it up, Katie. So a big thank you to my team today, Tiffany, Katie, and Mike for joining me. Great contributions to the buzz and the center of the plate. I really appreciate you being here and sharing your insights. Thank you as always to our media team, Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering. And thank you to the listeners for joining us today. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite app. If you'd like to learn more about how we help people manage risk, please contact us at insights at ever.ag.
2: At Everag, we partner with every corner of the agriculture industry, from dairy to livestock, crops, and agribusiness, to deliver intelligent supply chain and risk management solutions. We are Everag, everything agriculture. Learn more at www.ever.ag everything.